This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Well, we thought it was appropriate on Mother's Day that you would hear from the mother here uh, of, of the church or the one that's here. The, the definition, one of the definitions of special is surpassing the usual expectations. And I think one of the beautiful things we have here at the church, and we're very blessed here, a lot of good teachers, a lot of good preachers, and then we have a special speaker who gets to come in and just usually surpasses all of our expectations. So someone called her one time God's cheerleader, and uh, I, I think that's a, a great thing. Would you just give a warm welcome in your hearts for my wife? Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. I love that song they sing. Isn't that great? It's a great song. Makes me want to dance, but I won't embarrass my children this morning. <laughs> it's like, please don't, Mom, please. Well, I got a, a card from my daughter years ago, and on the back of it she wrote, you're the best mom in the whole tired world. And what she, what she meant to say was in tired, but tired, I totally related. I'm like, exactly, I'm exhausted. I'm beyond tired. This is a ridiculously tiring job. But we live in a tiring, tired world. It really is in such the need we have for comfort. Now we thought that comfort was something that a mom did. It was her main job. That's all she did. Comfort your babies. It's a girl kind of a word. But it's so much more than that, actually. It's actually comfort is something that comes from God, and it's a fatherly trait. But it is assigned to a mom. In Isaiah 66, 13, it says this, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted. There have been many times that I just really, I felt like the Lord just spoke to me in a very anxious moment and said, You will be comforted. You can be calmed from that fear. You can come through that situation. And you're not alone. He's right there helping us. You see, I love everything of what this word means. And I only thought of it in one term. I thought of it in the term of it's a tender compassion. You want to relieve someone from some kind of pain or grief. And it is every bit of that. But it's also an encouragement. That is one of the definitions and beautiful dimensions, an encouragement to be able to go the distance. It actually, one translation says, an admonishment to give strength to, to give hope to, like a coach with his kids on a team. Come on, go further. There's more in you. Well, I'm not always thinking of comfort in that term. It also means a strengthening presence, a warm consolation that someone's alongside you, helping you, that you have all the assistance and the support that you need. But think about it. Even feeling like someone's going to help you, doesn't that just calm your soul? It does me. But we are people, just in case you're thinking, it's still a girl world. It's really not. Do you know that we all need it? We look for it. 
That's why we go on vacation. We need relief. I need a break. I'm going on vacation. That's why we eat a big bowl of macaroni and cheese and then a big bowl of ice cream when no one's looking because I need to feel better. I had a hard day. Forget the spoon, use Oreos, you know? <laughs> Isn't it great? I love it. You always do that in secret too, don't you? <laughs> what are we looking for? We need relief. We need comfort. But what if comfort in the forms of encouragement is where the Lord's like, I want you to see that I'm in that too. I want you to see that it's not just when you're feeling good, when you're feeling relief. It's not just that. It's being able to get through and steady yourself through a difficult time. It's how we endeavor to follow through with any plan of God, follow through with anything of value. It's having to get through difficult things and times on the earth because we really do live in a tired world. We really do live in a world where we need comfort and encouragement. Now, my oldest son, Matt, when he was eight years old, he was a busy fellow. So I was like, run, Matt, run, run everywhere. You know, like run miles. So I put him in cross country. I'm like, just run. <laughs> but he was fast. So I was really glad about that. And then when he would be in a meet, I was, you know, I'd go up to the front of the line and I'd, I'd say this to him, Matthew, when the, the, when the finish line comes, I'm going to be at the finish line, okay? So when you hear my voice, I don't care how you feel. I don't care if you want to fall over. Don't. Keep running. Keep going. I see the finish line and that's how you're going to place in the race, okay? He's like, okay. <laughs> I'd get up there. I never thought I'd be a screaming mom, but I was. I was like, Matt, go, run faster. There's more in you, run further, go, go, go. And he'd pass up all these kids and he'd place and he'd feel so good and just like about fall over. I think he probably did one time. And I'm like, you're good, you're fine. You know, <laughs> you ran, you're good. And you know, I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't feel like a very comforting mom. I'm like, tiger mom. I'm like, oh, you'll feel good in the end. But we do. We feel good when we accomplish something. And yet, even when it's hard, we need comfort and encouragement along the way. What if that's something God's like, I, I really want you to know that I'm with you in that difficult time bringing you through and he sees the finish line. <laughs> There's a scripture in John that the Lord has often spoken to me. And Jesus actually said in John 14, he said, I will not leave you comfortless. Or one translation says, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. You are not without help. I'm going to come to you. I've had that scripture come to me often. Now, my youngest son he would often give me his teddy bear because as a mom, I think I needed more comfort than I gave it. <laughs> He's like, Mom, I know I always sleep with my teddy bear, but I think you need him tonight. I'm like, I do. Thank you very much. <laughs> but when he was a preschooler, he would be around the house, and if he didn't see me, he was always calling my name. And I'd have to yell from the other room where I was. He'd go, Mom, and I'd go, I'm right here. And it wasn't too long after that, he'd, he, Mom, and I'm like, I'm right here. 
my older kids were like, Mom, why does he do that? I said, because he doesn't see me, so he doesn't think I'm here, but I am. I wonder if sometimes because we don't see God and we're not looking at the signs of his presence around us, we don't think he's there and yet he is. The strengthening presence of God, the comfort of God to be able to get through these hard things in life. God is a great comforter. He's so good. He's so kind. He's so reassuring. And he wants us to give the security, us a security and a settling calm in the middle of life. Oh my goodness, we all need it. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted. The comfort of God, the encouragement of God is so strong to us and in us, you can actually give it to somebody else. God can give you a word and do something in your life that actually, I mean, it lasts on and on. Well, but think about it. Don't you remember those really special times when you were strengthened? Don't you share those types of stories? Yes, we do. Well, in 1924, and I'm going to take a sip of water here. Alan always drinks water, so I have a pretty little girl cup here. In 1924, there was a man named Eric Lytle. You may know him by the movie Chariots of Fire. Great movie. He ran in the Paris-France Olympics. He was a fast runner. He was called the Flying Scotsman, and he ran for Great Britain. He broke all kinds of world records for the 100-meter and the 220-meter race. It was a dash, real fast race. The problem with in 1924 at the Olympics is the qualifying heats were run on a Sunday. Eric Lytle was a man of God. He loved God, extremely devoted to the Lord. And he said, I don't run on Sundays. The Sunday is a Sabbath to me. It's a day I honor the Lord, and I go to church, and I often speak there, and I'm not going to be running on that day. Well, it was a big uproar. What do you mean? Aren't you going to make an exception? You're running for Great Britain. These are the Olympics. It was in the news, great criticism and pressure that he took, and I'm sure he felt like he was standing alone, as sometimes we do when we go through difficult things. When we're having to even follow through with a plan of God, we often may feel like we're alone, but oh, no, we're not. He wouldn't run it. So they said the only thing that you can do and run is the 400 meter. He wasn't trained for the 400 meter. It's still today considered one of the hardest races to run. But he said, that's all I'll do. Right before he ran that race, a fellow teammate slipped a piece of paper in his hand. And on that paper said, in the old book it says, he who honors God, God will honor. It's a scripture from 1 Samuel. Oh, he had a scripture in his hand, but he had it in his heart. 
he ran that race like a sprint and everyone in the stands was like, he's gonna fall over. You can't run it like a sprint. You can't run it like the 100 meter. You can't run it like you did, but he did. And he ran and he ran and he ran. He won the gold medal and set a world record that stood for 15 years. And someone asked him, what's the secret of your success? He said, I ran the first 200 as fast as I could. And I ran the second 200 with God's help faster. Honoring God. Oh, yeah. God's presence with us. Oh, yeah. He was so comforted in knowing that he wasn't alone. There was actually a teammate who believed with him. But more importantly, God was with him. And he, he went through to the finish line. I wonder if in our life the Lord's like, I see the finish line. Keep going. Keep strong. There's more in you. And the Lord's giving you a scripture or an encouragement through a person. And that is, I know it's hard. Get up again. You can win this with him. When I think about that, I think about a mother in the Bible that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about in these terms how much encouragement she had to have to follow through and to carry out the plan of God. I never thought about it, but it's Mary, the mother of Jesus. I always thought of her because I grew up Catholic as very deified and, and with halos and just always just honoring her, of course. But I never realized how difficult it was for her to do what she did and how many encouragements and what God did for her along the way. I never saw it before. And yet, I see where God's like, and I want to do that for you. Remember the scripture that says, and I will comfort you. I will not leave you comfortless. I have not abandoned you. I will come to you. But could you imagine? Mary's a young girl. And in her room comes an angel. Hail Mary. Blessed are you among women. You're going to conceive in your womb. And who you conceive is a son. And his name is Jesus. And he begins to tell her all kinds of things. And Mary's like, but wait a second. There's one problem here is I'm a virgin. I'm not married yet. And he goes, not a problem. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and overshadow you. It's all good. And guess what? By the way, your older cousin, she's really old, Elizabeth. She's pregnant too, pregnant too six months. Ha. With God, all kinds of things are possible. I don't think Mary necessary, necessarily understood everything. She just trusted God. She believed in him. And her response says this, I'm just a handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever you want to do, God, whatever your word says, that's what I'm going to do. Whether I understand it or not, I'm going to trust in you. Was it easy? No. Who would understand who would know? Do you realize the pressure and persecution she must have felt? And yet she's like, I'll carry through with what I believe you want me to do. I'll carry through with the truth. 
The first person I believe she goes to, we see that she makes haste and she goes to Elizabeth. She runs there because the angel mentioned Elizabeth. And she had to be so comforted when she saw Elizabeth. Now, let me tell you some of the things that God does when he comforts us and confirms things to us and gives us that security that is right there is things match. Things match. They go together. And you keep seeing a thread of things that are pieced together. And you're like, that's God. That's him. He does beautiful repeats. But Elizabeth sees Mary and she goes, Blessed are you among women. It's exactly what the angel said. Blessed are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How would the mother of my Lord come to see me? How that had to encourage Mary. She's like, oh, thank God. You know too. I'm so glad. Sometimes when someone confirms something, you're like, thank you. And what the Lord's saying is, I'm right here. How do we know that Mary was comforted and just received encouragement by her response? Her response is, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She has a joy about her. And what is she doing? She's quoting the scriptures from 1 Samuel. The scriptures are the words of God that will bring you the greatest comfort, that will calm any kind of fear, that will have you know God is very near. She's quoting the scriptures and Oh, thank God. I'm so thankful I can go a little further. Was it going to be easy? No. She still had to tell Joseph. And maybe she told him before she spoke to Elizabeth. I'm not sure. But I can't imagine what that conversation looked like. Sometimes I think of, what would I say? Joseph. I was wondering if we could move the, the wedding date up. Because... Um, I might start showing. I, I, how do I say? How do I say that I'm? I'm. How do you get the words out? I'm. I'm pregnant. I know, Joseph. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. And this angel came and 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 he told me that the Holy Spirit and I'm pregnant and I didn't do anything. We can still get married, right? Do you have a big problem with that? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean, Mary? 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 I didn't think you were that kind of a girl. Are you crazy? Why do we think or can we assume that that conversation was very awkward and uncomfortable? Because the scriptures actually say that Joseph wanted to put her away privately. Let me pretend I don't know who she is. Put her away privately. But then the angel of the Lord and God always has a way of confirming what he wants you to do. Wait for that. Don't get ahead of it. Wait for that confirmation, encouragement of the Lord. An angel comes to see him in the nighttime in a dream. And he goes, Joseph, I know, don't be afraid. You can marry Mary. She really is pregnant. What's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a son, and his name is Jesus. And he's going to save your people from their sins. And then he says, remember, Joseph? Remember what the prophet said? And he quotes out of the book of Isaiah. Remember what the prophet said. And this is a way he encourages and helps Joseph carry on. A virgin is going to conceive and bear a son. 
and his name is Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And Joseph goes, okay, amen. This is that, a fulfillment of the prophecies, a fulfillment of the scriptures. How do things get fulfilled? You gotta go to the distance. You gotta endure some hard things, but you won't run it alone. God will help you. Was it easy? No. Then they had to go in the last months of pregnancy from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I'm sure few people even understood what was happening. Sometimes it may seem like you stand alone, but if you stand with God, keep going. Nazareth to Bethlehem is far. I thought it was a couple of blocks. It's several days. The scriptures actually don't say she actually rode on a donkey, which personally I think would be very uncomfortable if I was pregnant. I'm like, the donkey, what a rocky ride that would be. But regardless, it was a hard walk. Maybe she's thinking, well, you know, is there a royal room or something? Something really special that's going to happen? No, there was no room. No room in Bethlehem at all. All we know is when she had the baby, the only thing I guess they could put the baby in was a manger, which means animals. It's a feeding trough. So it was Joseph and her with the, with the birth of the baby. I can't imagine just Alan at the birth of my children. I wouldn't be alive. <laughs> and so you're thinking, this is like really a hard situation, a difficult type of a situation, and yet it's God. And just when they may have thought everything seems so natural, maybe uncomfortable, maybe even painful, God sends another encouragement with the shepherds. Hey, guess what? We were in the nighttime and these angels came and, and they said we would find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and that's him. Another confirmation, another sense where God's like, I'm right here. And if that wasn't enough, they brought the baby to dedicate Jesus to the Lord, which they did in Jerusalem. And when they walk in with Jesus, a man named Simeon, a devout, godly man, sees them. This man, he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. God told him, wait for the consolation of Israel. What's the consolation of Israel? I didn't know what it was, but this is what it is. It's the comforts of the people of God at the coming of the Messiah. And God told him, you're going to see it. And he sees Jesus and he goes, that's you. This is that what the Lord spoke to me about. You, the son of God, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. And he begins to prophesy. And he begins to talk about all the marvelous things that Jesus is going to do. He blesses Joseph and Mary, but then he says this. He says, Mary, a sword is going to pierce through your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A sword is going to pierce through your own soul. That sounds uncomfortable. That sounds painful. But don't you know as a mom, hasn't your soul ever been pierced for your children? Mary's was too. She would watch her children get 
her child, Jesus. She would watch him get mistreated. She would watch him be misjudged. And she would watch him be crucified. How do you do it? How do you get through some things? How do you follow through an endeavor to fulfill and carry out a plan of God? You have to hold and ponder the scriptures and the things of God in his presence and encouragements deep within you. And that's what Mary did. She pondered these things and held them in her heart. And there was a time when she just didn't see herself as the mother of Jesus, but she saw Jesus as her Lord and Savior and received him that way and believed in him that way. We have to do the same. Ruth Bell Graham tells a story. She lived up in the mountains of North Carolina, way up in the mountains, and often Billy Graham was gone for months. And it was storming and raging one night and thunderbolts and lightning, you know, one of those nights. And all of a sudden she hears a pitter-patter of little feet and a knock on a door and she hears, Mother, Mother, I'm afraid. She pulls back the covers and that little one comes in bed with her. No longer another clap of thunder. Pitter-patter of feet. Mother pulls back the covers. Another one comes until all five of her children are in bed with her that night. Storm goes through all night long and she wakes up in the morning. And the Lord speaks to her and says, there's coming a time that your children will grow older. And the storms will rage through the night and there will be claps of thunder and lightning bolts. And you'll hear in your heart a whisper as though they're near, Mother, but you won't be there to help them. You'll have to pray and believe me that I will cover them for you. I have had to do that so many times and I have found God to be faithful and true. He covers them when you can't. When your soul is pierced, he is the great comforter, the father of mercies, the God of all comfort, and he can comfort you and your children and all your loved ones. He's so good. How do we walk in the comforts of God more today? I know that I've had to just remember how tender-hearted and God is towards me, that he thinks about me. I don't know why I haven't thought about that. I'm like, I know you're that way, but I guess I haven't personalized it as much. And it's very powerful, like Alan always says, when it's personal. God thinks about me. I was in a store and I'm thinking about, I'd like to buy my child that and this and that. And then I thought, I'm, this is ridiculous. Why do I think about my kids so much and I want to buy them everything? It's very expensive for Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Those are uncomfortable conversations too. By the way, I uh, no. <laughs> but I had a witness in my heart at that time that the Lord said, I think of you that way. And I wish you knew that, how much I want to bless you. But there's a scripture in Psalm 139. It says this, how precious also are your thoughts unto me, or you could really say towards me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. The next verse that's not here says, they're so great, they're so numerous, you couldn't even count them. They're like the sand. That's how much God thinks about us. God thinks about you, and guess what? You think a lot about someone that you love. 
He loves us. And that's why he gives us the scriptures. They're his words. They're his very breath. The scriptures will bring you so much comfort. When you read them on a daily basis, if you don't think, I don't know what I'm getting, you are getting something. The Bible says, this is my comfort in my affliction. Your words have given me life. God's words are life and medicine. Oh my goodness, they will help you so much. I was reading my Bible on the day my daughter had her son, Owen Benjamin. Just reading my Bible, and I happened upon a verse that had his middle name, Benjamin, in it. I thought, oh, I, I hadn't noticed that before. Didn't think much of it. But within 24 hours, a medical situation came up with a baby. It totally took me by surprise, as it did all of us. And my, my soul was pierced. I got in the car the next morning, and I was driving to Dallas. And I'm praying. Driving to Dallas, Lord, I just ask you, I need to hear from you. I always feel better when I hear from you. I hit Fairfield. Anybody know where that is? The Fairfield exit, I'll never forget that. And I thought, I read something yesterday that had his middle name, Benjamin, in it. What was that? What was that? I can't look in my Bible now that I'm driving. I'll call Alan. Alan. Deuteronomy. Deuter I was in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, and I was 33, 12. I hope that's the verse. If not, I'm going to ask him to go through the whole book of Deuteronomy. But. <laughs> and it was the verse. I said, read it to me, read it to me. And it said this, O Benjamin, beloved of the Lord, who dwells safely by him, the Lord will cover him all the day long, and he'll rest on God's shoulders. God God covered over that whole situation, but he gave me that word to comfort my heart, to calm every fear. Before that happened, God's like, keep going. Go the distance. You'll come through on the other side. See, he sees the finish line. His thoughts towards us are peace, to give us a hope and a future and an end with expectation, with good things. Oh, you're traveling good when you travel with him. With God by your side, all kinds of things are possible. He's so good and he's so kind. And there's joy and peace and believing when you just simply believe him like Mary did. Whether you understand or not, there'll be a joy and a peace and a relief and an ease on the inside of you. I love what Elizabeth said to Mary. I think it's a powerful thing. She said, blessed are you who believed. She's speaking to Mary. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. You're blessed. We're blessed when we believe. God can accomplish his will in us that way. Alan's mom was agonizing. And I've often, he's actually often told the story how the Lord gave her a scripture in the night. Because they were both away from the Lord. Three years after she got that scripture, Alan came back to the Lord. And it was about 20 years for his sister Leslie. Leslie was a single parent at this time. Loved her son and her son loved her. Marvelous mom. But Joshua, he was a teenager and they found a tumor in his knee. And it was cancerous and it was growing. And so they had to amputate his leg and it kept growing. So he ended up at MD Anderson at the Ronald McDonald House and then back at our house too. And it wasn't before long, and MD Anderson sent him home and said there was nothing they could do. 
Alan had a moment with Joshua and asked him and said, Joshua, what do you want me to pray for you at this time? He said, I, I want you to pray that I don't have any pain when I die. And I want my mom to be in heaven with me. Wow. Well, I held that in my heart. And then there was this moment we didn't plan at all. It was just Leslie and I in the kitchen. And I don't know where everybody else was. It was just the two of us. And so Leslie looks at me and she says, is my son going to be healed? Her soul is pierced. She's hurting in her heart, of course. Any of us would be. We all were feeling it. And I just said to her, Leslie, I, I don't know. I don't. She said, then I don't want to serve God. I don't want to serve him if my son isn't healed. And it just came out of my spirit. I said, Leslie, you need a savior if your son lives or if your son dies, you need a savior. He wants to know that you're going to be in heaven with him. You can give him that comfort. You can give him that security and you need it in your own life. And if you honor God, he will take care of you all your days. With tears streaming down her face, she prayed. And we dedicated our heart to the Lord. A few weeks later, as they were in California, Joshua was leaning on his mom with no pain in his body and lifted the oxygen mask off of his face. And he said, we're not alone. Emmanuel, put that oxygen mask back on his face and went to heaven. The comforts of God, we need them. We need them in us, and we need them in our families. God's encouraging us to go the distance. He sees the finish line. It's good. So let's pray. You'll bow your head. Maybe the security you need to give your family is making him Lord and Savior, believing in him, coming back to him. He's the great comforter, the great I am. I'm going to have Alan lead in, in prayer. You'll pray for him. If that's you today, raise your hand. God's going to help you. He's going to bring you peace, the peace you give to your family. Would you bow your head just for a moment? If you came today and said, you know what, I, I don't know that I have that security. I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to. Or maybe at one time you did. You, you know, I had a relationship with him. You said, and I walk with him, but I've gotten so far away. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to do something. We do this every week. We're not going to ask you to stand up. We're not going to ask you to come to the front. But if that's you, this is an opportunity for you to know in your heart to have that security. The security that my sister found, that her son found, that so many of us in here have found. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. 
You say, Alan, that's me. Would, would you guys pray for me? I, I want to know in my heart that I'm sure or I want to come back to the Lord. You slip your hand up just real quick across the auditorium and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Appreciate that. His hands are going up all over. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It takes courage to do that. Anyone else? Just say, would you, would you pray for me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're going to do exactly what we said. We're going to ask the church to join us in this prayer. If you're watching online, you can pray this out loud. If you're with others, you play it quietly. But we're going to pray this prayer together as a church family. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you're thinking, man, I, I want in on this prayer. You can jump right in. We're going to pray and say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ. Because I said yes to you. Now with head still bowed. Father, thank you for those that have prayed that prayer, for those who have stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Father, for those who've come back home, we rejoice with them. Father, for all who are here today, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your comfort for us. Thank you for your strength for us. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.